4: He didn't slam you, he didn't bump you, he didn't nudge you, he rubbed you, and rubbing son is racing. Hey race fans, welcome to the Hoobazoo
0: Radio Network and welcome to Drafting the Circuits. My name is Frank Santoroski. I'll be your host for the next hour as we go over everything racing from this past week and preview next week for you. Before we get to that, let me introduce you to the panel tonight. With me is Mr. Gray Warren from Richard Childress Racing, Motorsports Tribune's Seth Eggert, I have uh, our resident Formula One analyst, Richard Uden, in the house, and uh, our guest panelist from Pit Lane Parlay, Mike Joachim in the house. How is everybody tonight?
1: Very good. Thank you for having me on. Oh, no Very good.
0: All right. Great. Great to speak with everybody. So, uh, big weekend of racing. Um, NASCAR had its night race in uh, Bristol, um, and the IndyCars had a 500-miler at Pocono. So, let's uh, let's open up with IndyCar. Um. Pretty uh, pretty intense wreck there between Robert Wickens, uh, Ryan Hunter-Reay, also involved in there. Hinchcliffe, Petro, Fittipaldi. Um All thoughts are with um, young Robert Wickens at the time. Um, the the crash was, uh, if you've seen it, was a, a very violent impact. Uh, he got up over the safer barrier into the catch fence with uh, which shredded the car apart. Um, he has multiple injuries to. Um, Uh, Two broken ankles, a broken leg, uh, injuries to one of his arms, uh, but uh, some bruised lungs. But the most concerning is uh, the spinal cord injury that he uh, underwent surgery for Monday night. Uh, They put some titanium screws and steel rods in there. Um, And there's still, you know, not a lot of of information coming out um, as to the severity of the injury. These things take time to do. So, Uh, you know, suffice to say all of our thoughts are um, with Robert, his family, with his team. Um and the team uh, Schmidt Peterson has made the decision on um, a short week to uh, not run the six car at all. Uh, a couple factors, um, to you know that went into that decision. Uh, first and foremost, um, uh, team owner Sam Schmidt, uh, who was um, incidentally uh, is wheelchair bound due to a spinal cord injury he suffered uh, in in two thousand in his racing career, is um, out of respect for Robbie number one uh number two he's contacted the sponsors uh and and let them know what he wants to do all these sponsor partners are on board uh nobody is forcing them to run that car or or saying a breach of contract or anything they're all behind the decision to uh uh just set that car down also on the short week um you know hitch car was badly damaged uh wickens chassis was a total write-off um just the prep time to get uh, to get, uh, you know, one car ready, much less both um, on the short week was going to be tough as um, Indy will be in gateway this um, this Saturday. So now, uh, Mike, you had a chance to watch the race. Um, and I guess the one thing we didn't mention is that uh, Alexander Rossi from Andretti Autosport took his um, third win of the year, tightening up the points of battle. I think he's within uh, 20, 29 or 30 points of Scott Dixon now. Say, Mike.
1: 29 points now yeah i mean he put on a, a a clinic even despite you know the difficult circumstances restarting the race uh lapping all but the first four cars so you know he put he put on a great show he, you know he's showing that he's becoming a legitimate championship contender not just this year but you know in years going forward
0: yeah i like how you use the word clinic because um when he won in Mid Ohio, there was said he put on a road racing clinic, and now he's uh, put on a 500 mile oval racing clinic. Um, <laughs> it seems he just uh, all, all he's missing is the uh, short oval clinic, and then he'll uh, he'll be the professor. So
4: where are they? Where are they this weekend?
0: Uh, gateway, Gateway this there weekend. Well,
4: <laughs> inter, inter,
0: intermediate oval, intermediate <laughs> oval. Yeah. So, uh, but I mean, Rossi is, looks as strong as any of them there. Um, you know, uh, power just couldn't get close to them all day there were some concerns over the um you know some unhappy drivers with the aero package say it's still uh pretty hard to pass so what were your thoughts on um on the aero package and the quality of the show
1: yeah you know they're they're not wrong there definitely needs to be a little bit of work i think not only on the aero package but uh both scott Dixon and will power tested it at indianapolis uh i guess it was probably right around a week ago or maybe two weeks ago at this point, with a different tire compound and a little bit more tweaking to the front wing, and we're very happy with it. Obviously, they can't turn around and run that in a week and a half later than, than at Pocono. It was a step in the right direction, the uh, wickers that they added onto the front wing, and there were, from my grid walk before the race, about four or five different combinations of wickers that teams were using so it helped a little but you know as as Will Power and Scott Dixon both said after the race it wasn't quite enough to you know really be able to challenge for the win there that 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 Power needed but you know both drivers said and and I'm in full agreement in this you know IndyCar is led now by a team that will take time and figure things out test it and really get it on the right direction. So I believe next year, the super speedways will, will be much better because now they have a year of data to go off of. And Jay Fry and Bill Pappas and team are, are are smart guys.
0: Yeah. We've just got to take this in stride and realize that, you know, with the new universal arrow kit, every, everybody's learning. Um, and it's, you know, not everything is going to be right, right off the bat. You know, we saw a snoozer at Phoenix, but we saw a pretty darn good race at Iowa. Um, you know in my mind anyway you know behind the behind the lead car um you know with that being said um let's talk about the start um we had two incidents uh, well, there's the one incident at the initial start and then the big incident at the second start then after the race resumed after the uh repairs to the fence which we'll talk about that in a little bit too um the race went caution free uh once it once it got going the second time but the first start We saw this in mid-Ohio where they they felt like Rossi backed up the field. Um, And then I believe it was Scott Nixon uh, that kind of accused Will Power of doing the same thing here at Pocono. Said he kind of backed up the field, uh, you know, wasn't keeping pace, didn't accelerate fast enough, however you want to put it, uh, which caused the the cars at the back there, namely Piggott and Graham Rahal, to have a little collision there. Now, power for for his part right he says uh look i was doing everything i was supposed to be doing they said the yellow speed is 107 miles an hour he said i was going 107 miles an hour he said i didn't accelerate late if anything i accelerated early and then team penske released the data from the car that showed that will was absolutely right so um so is this more of just a matter of the the guys in the back getting a little too anxious and, and then throw the blame at the guy in the front
1: uh, one hundred percent. Yes, I mean the data. The data showed exactly that. In the post race press conference, uh, the printout naturally is downstairs in my house here. Uh, Scott Dixon, you know, admitted he said, "Listen, I, I didn't know that. You're you're hundred percent right, Will." And uh, I mean, if you look at the replay of of Graham Rahal, he he jumps about eight seconds before any other car. Uh, eight seconds might be an exaggeration, but he just punts Spencer Piggott right into the wall. So uh, you feel for Piggott there because I, I thought he was primed to have a, a decent race, and uh, you know, obviously, as you saw, it affected Ray Hall the the rest of the way, and he wasn't really able to to get anything going. But I don't fault willpower at all for that. The data backs it up, and I mean, really, to me, it's just uh, Graham Ray Hall trying to get a little too aggressive uh, off off the bat.
0: Just, well, gray, just I, Graham I, being Graham. Go ahead, Gray. I, I think the
5: whole thing at the start was, was a byproduct of the type of racing we saw. These guys knew that passing was going to be tough, and you had to make hay on the restart or the start. You had to, you, that's where you were going to make your move, because once the field ran a lap and got strung out, we saw what happened. The race ran caution-free, because actually nobody ran close enough to anybody to – to To get into trouble the rest of the day, so that's what these guys were anticipating. They wanted to make their move early on while the car while the field was bunched up to get in get some track position, and that's what led to the first two incidents uh, in the race. You saw the aggressive move that that Rossi made at the start uh, when they did go back to green from the first incident. He drove down into Turn One and took the lead. And of course, Wickens was trying to do the same thing. He was trying to improve his position as much as he could on that first lap, and he got into trouble. So, yeah, I think I think what we saw was a byproduct of the of the arrow package that uh, that we saw this weekend, and that, and the guys were trying to compensate for it at the start.
1: I can't disagree with that at all.
5: No,
0: I can't disagree with that. Yeah, either. and
5: I mean. we we see the same thing typically in NASCAR. You know, NASCAR is an aero-dependent Series too, to a degree. And and we see races particularly on the mile-and-a-half where, you know, the, the lead car has such a clean air advantage that, you know, when, in fact, we saw essentially the same race at Michigan in the Cup cars uh, the week before. The cars run, and run, and st- run at station. They essentially run the same speed and they run it station the whole time, so there's really not a lot of movement in it and, it, and it becomes a track position race, and the car out front in clean air just just essentially drives away. So uh, I think IndyCar is is experiencing some of the same things that, that NASCAR is going through right now. Well, both series are trying to develop an error package that enhances the racing, and and obviously there's growing pains with both. Both series trying to get it right, and of course, you know we saw NASCAR's experiment uh, at the uh, at the All Star race, and obviously, like uh, like uh, you just you just alluded to, they tested a package at, at Indy, and, and obviously, as there's not time to incorporate it, just like NASCAR doesn't have time to incorporate. So, so yeah, you got to hand it to the sanctioning bodies that they, they're continually working to improve their product, but it does create problems from time to time.
0: Oh, absolutely. Now, behind Rossi, um, we had uh, Will Power, Scott Dixon, uh, Bourdais, and then Newgarden. The other guys that have won races this year, save for Hinchcliffe, uh, who won in Ohio. And then in sixth place, Zach Veach. What a a great day for that young man there. Now, Zach had participated in a test at Pocono uh, a few weeks prior, um, where he was the only Andretti car there. And actually, Alexander Rossi um, gave Zach a few props for some of the data that he came back with from the test. He said it was very helpful to the entire team. So, um, so Mike, did you get a chance to catch up with Zach there while you were at Pocono this weekend?
1: Uh- Unfortunately, with all the chaos, I-, I did not run into Zach, although I plan to this weekend in Gateway. But you know, go- going back to that test at Pocono, I, I did happen to-, to be out there for the day. He was by far the most impressive. It was mainly rookies running. I think Tony Cannon ran about six or seven laps. Same with Sebastian Bourdais. Otherwise, it was just the rookies. And I, I thought Veach was even more impressive than Robert Wickens was. And I was purely using my phone as a very not accurate timing. Um, but he was impressive all race weekend. He was impressive at the test. I think you know he's starting to find his groove. The last the last uh, you know three weeks in a row now he's had three top tens.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, the kid is the real deal. We all we all felt like he was, you know. And I, and I really feel like he's hitting this series at the right time. I think any any sooner he would have been a little too young, you know. But I think I think he's hitting it at just the right time. He's got just the right partners in there with um, the one thousand one group, uh, you know, providing him uh, the funding that puts him, in, you know, in an Andretti car, and Andretti is at the top of their game this year. Absolutely. In the, you know, in the post arrow kit era, um, Andretti is back to that, um, position where they are, uh, you know, toe to toe with Penske and, and Gnassi in, in, in every way possible. So, but, uh, so let, let's talk, let's get back to the accident. Um, there's a couple of things that have been said actually i don't know if you like to torture yourself by reading social media comments like like i do no no, no. I, yeah i know it's it's <laughs> like my guilty pleasure I, you know because everybody everybody all of a sudden is is an engineer and an expert and a and a you know spinal injury expert but um you know there's a lot being said about about the wall here and i think the uh the stupidest comment came out of paul tracy's mouth uh where he said wow the catch fencing just tore up the car i I would have much rather just gone out of the park um i, I don't know what's what he was thinking when he said that but no obviously we don't want the cars to fly out of the park but uh, uh but yeah the catch fencing has been it, it's it's always very damaging to the car if a car gets up that high we've seen it um, you know, certain wrecks come to mind, you know, Franchitti at Houston.
2: Um
0: um kenny Brack several years ago um bobby allison at pocono um jeff krosnoff in toronto um all those uh, you know resulted in fairly devastating injuries to the driver um but even as as you you know you look at the, if you look at the in-car camera from hunter ray's car uh wickens car goes right over the top of a hunter ray's head close enough that it snaps the the, the camera off the roll hoop um and, I mean, that's just frightening. And then that, again, brings up the argument for the, um, for the head protection, the halo or the windscreen, whatnot. But, you know, as I look at this thing, right, Pocono, all the grandstands are on the front stretch. You know, and, and the Pocono's incidents are generally in the turns. Um, so what's what's to prevent taking that safer barrier and making it two times higher or even three times higher Uh, around the areas of the track where there's, you know, where it's not going to block a spectator view. I mean, it it seems like a pretty simple fix when you compare it to some of the just crazy ideas people are throwing out there, like putting jet fighter netting up there or (laughs) plexiglass or, uh, you know, any number of of just kind of untested, dim-witted ideas that are coming from non-engineering types. But uh, if you just doubled up the safe or, or tripled it up, uh, on uh, on the backstretch there, you know, there's you're not blocking any sightlines. What do you what do you think about that, or 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 do you think it's fine the way it is?
6: Well, I heard I actually read something uh, that proposed that at some tracks I could see that working, like a Pocono where there's no grandstands. Other tracks uh, where there's uh, campgrounds in those areas, it wouldn't work. But just my one comment is. Six, seven years ago, there was no catch fencing in the area Rossi, uh, sorry, uh, Wickens hit. Uh, if you go back and watch the NASCAR race of I think 2010, 2011, Casey Kane um, was brushing uh, against the trees that were back there when he got up on top of the wall in a multi-car accident. So, in a sense, we're actually, granted Devastating injuries, but we're actually lucky we had to catch fencing there.
1: Yeah, that's a perfect example. A track at Pocono could could make that work. Obviously, money plays a big factor in how that would break down. Whether it would be IndyCar and NASCAR saying, "Okay, we'll help racetracks do this," or or whatnot. The other. Interesting suggestion that I came across was changing the catch fence similar to how Indianapolis has it, where they kind of have it slanted at the top. I don't know from a scientific point of view if that makes any difference, but I saw a bunch of people mention that uh, on Twitter today as an idea to make the fencing a bit safer. Well, uh, it is
5: slanted. It's slanted at, at you yep. of it. And in that area where you, if you look at the tape of the of the crash, the area that where where he goes up into the fence, there is an behind that fence. There's a, there's uh, there's tr- there's track facilities. You've got some Leland spruce trees, and then if you, you've got a sidewalk or a cart path behind it, and then then you come into a facility right right close by. So I think that's why they had that. There's there's either pedestrian or there's 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 pedestrian traffic in that area behind that uh, behind that fence in, in where where Wickens hit. The thing I noticed in the wreck, you, all the all the clips I've seen, you can't see the exact moment. You see they, the TV shows uh, the side by side from the end car of, of Hunter Ray and you see the two cars touch and they get together then it pans out and the cars already in the air i'm assuming they touched wheels because typically that's what happens in in the indycar race and in, and in open wheel racing the wheels touch or they climb over the wheels and that's what gets these cars airborne you know with the with the new system that the indycars have with that with that kind of pan wing under the side pods that really keeps them uh, you know on the ground uh, when they don't touch wheels and are, are essentially catapulted you know that way so I'm assuming from from the thing that they touched wheels and that's what got it up in the got it up in the air to begin with and that's always an inherent da- danger in in, in uh, open wheel racing I don't know what you can really do to, to, to You've got to have a catch fence because the catch fence is there to protect fans, basically. You know, we, we've seen cars uh, like Kyle Larson's wreck at Daytona uh, several years ago, at, and, and, and uh, uh, Austin Dillon's wreck at Daytona also got up in the fence. But they did keep the cars out of the grandstands. Um, those at tracks like Daytona, there's also strands of heavy cabling that run from post to post. Obviously, that that would not be good for an IndyCar car because it'd essentially be like a uh, be like a saw and, and cut it in half. Um, I don't know what you can do it and like you on those back parts of the racetrack where you don't have uh, a sight line from fans. You could double the uh, double the safer barrier, double the wall. And that that could uh, that could in a way be it. But but Seth's particularly right. So many of these tracks now where they don't have grandstands, they sell it as motor home parking and they put motorhome motor home or campers right up against the uh almost up against the fence that circles some of the tracks. Uh Vegas and Texas uh come to mind uh when you talk about those.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um I you know, I just suffice to say that uh, you know, both uh IndyCar has been Always on the cutting edge of safety as well as nascar too and and you know that uh you know, all of this data is gonna be looked at very carefully and and you know the whatever solutions are put in place will be well tested. Um, yeah, you know, and and they will uh, make an if they will make a difference if you just you know look at where we are today, you know, compared to where we were twenty years ago it, or, or forty years ago. It's it's it, you know it's so much amazingly more safe and right. Yes,
5: Frank. Let me, let me make one more point too. Go right um, ahead, um, my man. Talking about his 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 back or spine injury, I think part of that led to when the tub slammed back down on the uh, on the ground because the. The, the fence had then sheared away all the suspension on all four corners, and the tub probably landing so hard on the uh, on the track probably is what uh, what you know got him got him his his, his back injury.
0: Oh, I, most I mean, just, certainly, yeah. Just
5: assuming just assuming that that had to had to be what it was.
0: That, you know, there's an interesting there's a, a photo I saw. It's a freeze frame. Uh, of the crash where you can see Wicken's head is almost fully down you know almost as if perhaps the Hans device failed now not like I said mind you I've only seen this uh, on social media I you know I don't know uh, if the Hans device failed or if it's just just a weird camera angle or what uh, but I don't know if that would have uh, contributed to to that in any way because they said the injury is a what they call? I think it's a thoracic. Is that what they call it. Which yeah, that is, would
5: be in the up. That would be in the upper, the upper back. The upper yes.
0: back yeah, yeah, opposite mm-hmm. the chest. So, uh, yeah. but yeah, it was it was what I, I looked at that freeze frame, I said, like, wow, yeah, because yeah, I've never I've never seen anybody's head bent down since we put Hans devices on the drivers. So, well,
5: the, I tell you, the Hans device when when you talk about that, and I haven't seen the picture, the Hans device really is goes under the shoulder belts. The shoulder belts go over it and 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 lock it down on the shoulders and there's two straps from the hans device that go to the helmet and what they do that limits the helmet's forward movement in a, in a crash so it, it kind of contains it you know where you have a, a you, you figure your neck and your spine in a straight line it keeps them from it keeps them in that and in, in proximity let me let me just Say like that. So unless something, you know, you know, uh, there could have been a, a shoulder uh, belt failure or something. I, I'm just, didn't, of course, this is speculation. Totally, I, you, you don't know. I'm not even going to say. It. I don't even want to use the word failure in, in, in any in any point. But uh, yeah, yeah. It's
0: like again, it could have just be just the, the the you know the the moment that the picture was snapped. You know, these, like, sometimes guys, pictures can be deceiving too. too. Yeah, so.
5: They'll tuck in a crash, so, you know, yeah. remove, remove their hands from the wheel and bring them up to their chest and tuck their head down uh, in the event of a crash, and that could be what we saw as well. So, But it was a violent crash, I tell you what, it was, uh, I mean, he's, uh, he, he's, he's lucky to have survived it at all.
0: Yeah. So, uh, any of our viewers or listen—I always say viewers, but I mean listeners. So, but um, any, anybody wishing to like uh, send Robert a get well card or, or to wish him well, um, you can send a send a card or letter uh, or or whatever you like to send him through the team. Um, attention Veronica Knowlton. Um, if you go to the team's Twitter or the team's Facebook, uh, they've got the address there for you right there. Veronica is the. Um, PR rep for the team and she will ensure that Robert gets those. So, uh, uh, again, we are all just hoping for the best, uh, that we see him in a race car again, uh, next year, because the guy was, he's so exciting to watch. He is just so good. It was, uh, I mean, if, if you recall, Gray, when we had, um, Christopher Hinchcliffe on a, a couple, uh, couple of months ago and, uh, we said, gosh, who would have thought Wickens would have been this good. And he said, we did <laughs> so, but, um, yeah, so it just—I um, hate it that we're not going to see him for the rest of the season. Um, there's um, Schmidt Peterson. will have uh, um, Jack Harvey entered in the third car at uh, Portland and and Sonoma, I believe. Um, but that leaves the six open for um, for somebody. Um, what do you What do you think, Mike? Are, are you hearing anything yet? I know Sam said it's really too early to tell, but he did also say that his phone has been ringing off the hook. And um, I believe, uh, was it Marshall Pruitt speculated that uh, uh, with the amount of damaged cars they have, it's uh, a a pay driver probably makes the most sense. So um, are, are you hearing anything, Mike? Or
1: I haven't heard anything remotely pop up other than, you know, I, I do know, you know, two straight weeks Sage Karam has said I almost have the funding to run. So if he almost has the funding to run, maybe he can find a way to squeeze in that extra money. Although I, I can't see Sam wanting to run somebody as potentially risky as Sage Karam with his, uh, uh, you know, not so perfect record the last couple of years, especially yeah, in that Lexus car last year. Yeah, I hear you. I could see somebody, I don't, you know, who brings money, Sebastian Zavodra, who ran with them at the end of the last year when. Elotion got the boot. Uh, you know, he would be a safe bet, and comes with the uh, uh, Gary Peterson AFS money. Somebody like that, I, I think that's that's going to be my guess. Only because I know he's been uh he's been around the paddock. I, I saw was it Tristan Votier I saw this weekend. I can't remember. It obviously got a little hectic. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, Voltier
0: <laughs> Voltier has been around. Um, uh, you even think of a guy like, um, you know, uh, R.C. Enerson. Uh, yep. he, he tends to be able to throw a dollar or two together. Um, uh, you know, Rene Renee Bender is not slated to be in the Yukos car. Um, his his daddy's pockets are deep. Uh, but then, then again, he's uh, he hasn't really proven to be that spectacular in the car. Um, but
1: right, yeah, you I mean, bring it home uh, in one piece. Uh,
0: yeah, yeah, hopefully, yeah. So
1: <laughs> if, if, if you're going just based on, I want to enter the car for, you know, the sponsors to be able to get them their their play just to Zubedra, get to- you know, Renee binder, Kyle Kaiser, maybe if he's got some money, yeah. um, that's it's, it's probably a small list. Connor Daly, maybe.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Daly. I was going to, I don't know who's, uh, I don't Gab- Gabby's back in the Harding car this weekend because, um, Daly's off uh running
6: yep
0: running in road america the xfinity series so i don't know uh i don't know what harding's plans are for the last two races of the season either you know i don't, I don't know if we'll see gabby in there uh or connor in there which you know either one could leave the other one potentially open for schmidt peterson and we know um connor has uh run with schmidt peterson i think he bl- filled filled in for hinchcliffe uh Yes. A yes. couple of years ago. And it did a did a pretty good job. So that's a, that's a possibility, too. So but uh, but let's turn our attention to Gateway um, and then we'll turn our attention to Bristol. So um, Gateway last year, Joseph Newgarden uh, making the pass of the year on Simon right at the end of the race. Um, good crowd, good event. Um, everybody was very pleased with it. Going back this year, the word from local st louis uh newspaper that i was looking at is that ticket sales are up from last year um and with still you know a couple days uh, before race so not even counting any walk-up sales so uh that's pretty um pretty encouraging so um if uh, i'll go with you richard because you've been quiet um so richard who would you pick to win at gateway
4: oh that's a good question um I mean, he was reasonably strong at parking. I'd probably go with Scott Dixon.
0: Okay, all right. Now Seth, who do you like for Gateway?
4: Uh, I'm going to go with
6: Joseph Newgarden.
0: Why not? He's uh, he can win anywhere. So and Gray,
5: uh, I'm going to go with Rossi. But I, I hope uh, you know with with things looking good at the Gateway for IndyCar ticket sales being. Uh, being good. I hope they can back up last year's show with a good show this time cuz they don't need to lose any ground. No, like they, need it, to they keep, certainly it, don't, yeah. Yeah, it, it, it's been an up and down year for any car. It seems like all the, you know, the the ga- the ground that they would gain last year, uh, they have just they've seemed to lose a little bit, but in the type of racing that they've had, so I, I think they I hope they go put on a really good show to kind of uh Keep their foothold there at Gateway. Keep it strong so they can return next year with and, and grow even more.
0: Yeah, I, you know, to be in all honestly, the show that don't tell anybody I said this. the show last year wasn't actually that great. It was it, well, was, it was kind of boring until until jo- yeah, Joseph made the pass at the end. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like it's like a, watching a crappy movie, but then have a twist ending and you walk out of the theater and say, "Man, yeah. that was great." Right. You know?
5: Everybody went away good. And yeah, like yeah. you know, and, and that's what's leading, you know, that that'll help ticket sales for this year. I just hope they can they can, they can go and put on a good a good show that, that you know, gives the fans a treat and uh you know, build on build on something there where you know, that's the thing that gets me with, with, with IndyCar with we can't develop any consistency in the schedule. We 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 have tracks come on and we lose tracks. You have tracks come on and we lose them. Like the you know I'm th- I'm speaking of Phoenix. We've yeah. got to have some tracks that become staples. You know, ovals particularly that become staples in in the uh, in the series that we can count on year after year. And uh, and that's what you know they're fighting desperately to get right now. And that's what I think they need to. Need to be able to back up some of these shows so they can so they can keep some continuity there.
0: I agree. I agree. Yeah. So, so uh, Mike, who do you? Who,
1: I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Will Power. You know, he he had a great qualifying run last year and then spun out on the what was that the pace lap to start the race last yeah, year. Yeah,
0: really. Yeah, right at the beginning.
1: Yeah. I don't think he's gonna do that again. He was good. At, obviously, he's he's been good at Pocono. He's been good on almost all the Opals this year. And, with the exception of I think Phoenix, he wasn't great, but I think he might have gotten crashed out there. So my bet, my bet is willpower, and I think with this new arrow kit, similar race to how we saw at Iowa, where it was a fantastic race, I think we will see something very similar this weekend at this uh, intermediate-sized oval.
0: Yeah, I think if they they have a pretty similar setup to to what they're going to what they use at Iowa. It's going to be it's going to be a barn burner of a show. I tell you who I'd like to see win. Uh just for all the all the sentimental reasons that would be a feel good story would be I'd love to see Hinchcliffe win. You know? Yep. Um mm-hmm. and seeing as how Hinchcliff won at Iowa, um this is not impossible. You know what I mean? This 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 certainly could happen. So, I'm I'm going to go out on a limb and I'm going to pick Hinchcliffe. Um, but 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 I just also want to throw in a side note. When I just I look at the the, the drivers and, and look, you know, we have three drivers who won three races apiece so far this year, and we don't get a lot of that in car. You know, that's. Um, but if I, I look at the guys who haven't won yet this year, right, and there's a couple of names that just. Dick out. Uh, Simon Pagano has not won yet this year. You know, uh, Graham Rahal is usually good for a win a year. You know, sometimes two. Graham hasn't uh, hit the winner's circle yet, too. So, so those are some guys that there's you know just a couple of races left that I really want to keep an eye on. But, uh, but I'll be pulling for Hinch this weekend. So
5: let me let me ask Mike a question too. You know, it, it, we talked. We, I was brought up thing about racetracks and stuff. Saw some reports last week that that Richmond. Could possibly return uh, to the series. Did you hear any uh, hearing anything on that?
1: Yeah, so it's it's possible, which would be awesome. I, I always loved Richmond, and, and selfishly, it's a track I don't have to take an air uh, airplane to. But I don't think it's going to be twenty nineteen. I think uh, you know David Mulcher at, at motorsport.com reported it's looking much more likely for two thousand and twenty.
5: Okay.
0: Yeah, I know they want to get another ISC track on there. And then, also, Watkins Glen looks likely to come back in maybe 2020. Um, I, I know there's... Yeah, they're negotiating, so... But, I mean, it, the, the, the the Glen is so perfectly suited for the IndyCars, you know? Well, the, the Glen is just the perfect track, in my mind, anyway. I just love the place, so... <laughs> but, uh, uh... And Richard it's Richard Types and Kodak. In there have been talks with Kodak. As yeah. a matter of fact, they... I guess I think, if I'm not mistaken, the regional exclusive exclusivity clause with Texas is, dropped, is no it? more. It's been dropped, so they, they that, that opens up to you put a race back in Houston. We could race at
4: Coda, you know. You just um, filled the whole calendar with Texas races. Well,
0: it's a big state, yeah. We, could, we you know, we could have a San Antonio Riverwalk, you know. But yeah. but, uh, but anyway, so let's uh, let's let's turn our attention. To bristol because i want to have enough time uh, in the show to preview uh formula one which is going to be back in action this week at spa but uh first off um gray why don't you take us through uh bristol we saw um we saw bush win but the other one not the guy that's won seven times this year of his older brother kurt um taking his first bristol win since 06 and his first cup win since uh daytona last year right
5: yeah lot 58 races i believe something like that was uh was his uh, streak without a win. But, yeah, uh, pretty pretty compelling race, pretty good racing uh, uh, throughout. Uh, Kyle Larson uh, gets the pole, and, uh, of course, Kyle, you know, is usually strong there. Uh, and then we saw, uh, saw different guys go up front. We saw Ryan Blaney lead some. We saw uh, Harvick lead a little bit of the race. Uh, we saw different guys run at the front at, at various times uh, Kyle Busch, who arguably had one of the strongest cars in the field, uh, got wrecked on lap three, um, uh, and, uh, had to, had to go to the pits for repairs It spent a good part of the race two laps down and was able to, to get back on the race, I uh, get back, get back on the lead lap, uh, well, with about a, a little over a hundred laps to go, and he had a really good car, and I a shot to win the race at the end before he was taken out in some of that wild racing there, uh, inside 50 laps to go. But, uh, really good show. We had, you know, Clint Boyer had ran good. We had, you know, that's the neat thing about the, about the race that I thought we had so many cars that, that would, would forge to the front at various times. Uh, like I said, Clint Boyer ran good. Uh, Blaney ran good, uh Kyle Bush had a good car coming from the back that uh you know if you watched him a lot, he w- he was putting on a good show. Harvick uh, ran good. He had he before he had, had some issues. Uh several cars. Uh Chase Elliott ran really well. So we we had different various strategies and things like that. Two tires, four tires, no tires at all. Uh on a restart there, uh Kurt was able to get around his teammate uh Clint Boyer. and and hold him off for for his first win of the year. And he became the ninth different driver uh, to qualify via the win uh, for the playoffs.
6: And not only that, but Kurt's win, he now has 30 uh, victories in the Monster Energy NASCAR Cup Series. Uh, He and Kyle Busch, they're the first brothers to have 30 wins apiece in the Cup Series, which that's just a staggering fact. uh, as it is, but we don't know where Kurt's going to be next year, too, because uh, he's said uh, that he doesn't know. Uh, Gene Haas has said that he wants Kurt to be back, but he's in the dark about it, so he's kind of racing and auditioning at the same time for a possible ride elsewhere.
5: Well, I'm going to put it to you like this. Winning can cure a lot of ills in a race team and a lot of uncertainty Uh, can be cleared up with wins. Uh, I'm not saying that that, you know, be the case in this situation, but I'm sure it goes a long way uh, with Kurt feeling that he's, you know, he's not going to – he's, you know, would have to look in that mirror pretty hard to step away from Stuart Haas into a team because uh, unless he got a Joe Gibbs ride or maybe – Something like that, it it would it would be it would not be a lateral move. It would be a downward move in, in my opinion. So uh, I think uh, I think that uh, that win Saturday night changed everybody's view of of that situation going forward. I really do. Well, at the
6: same time, we also don't know exactly what's going on over at Furniture Row Racing. Things are looking better, but there was talk of Truex possibly leaving because. Uh, he was not, at that time, going to be paid what he's being paid now with 5-Hour Energy leaving. Mm-hmm. From my understanding, things are getting better, and that possibly means another sponsor coming up to replace 5-Hour Energy, but there's no official word on that.
0: Yeah, You, yeah. Would, you would think, as often as Truex wins... You know, they 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 really wouldn't have a problem slapping somebody's logo on the car and getting a big check, but it's just a sign of the economy, you know. It's a sign you, of the time. Yep you got you got Lowe's it, it, Lowe's leaving Jimmy Johnson. You know, you got the uh, the guy the the reigning champion who's still winning races left and right. Uh, you know, looking at taking a pay cut. Uh, you know, it's just it's 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 sad in a way, but well, but it, but it's reality. Yeah, it's it's
5: a it's an economic reality. It's what we're seeing. Uh, and, and it's driven by uh, the, rate, the TV ratings and attendance uh, and, and sponsorship dollars are affected by those, by those two things. And basically, we, we've talked about this on this show, it, the sport is going through an adjustment right now. And, and some of these drivers that have, have been household names for the last decade or so, uh, in my opinion, they've signed their last big mega contract. And they're going to be in for an adjustment uh, to re- when their time comes up to re-sign with some of these teams because the money's not going to be there, uh, and the car owners will not be able to sign them to the same amounts that they did uh, previously. So we're going to see we're going to see more of that. And I think you know basically uh, you know these guys have to you know like anybody else they're going to go where they get paid, and obviously. Um, we could see it. I'm sure. I'm sure. You know, Truex knows he's he's in the best situation he'll ever be in right now. But uh, you know, he's he's got to look at the future. And unless he, uh, and again, too, let's like I said about Kurt Bush, there's not many rides that he can go where he'll move laterally. It'll be a downward move if he went anywhere else. And I know they realize that too. But you know, a lot of things to consider. But like Seth said, if if they can. Uh, you know, garner uh, a replacement sponsor for that, then then they can continue on.
6: And speaking of adjustments, uh, two drivers actually announced that they're stepping away from full-time competition at Bristol. Uh, Casey Kane and Elliot Sadler uh, both are looking to spend more time with their family. Uh, Casey Kane, he's in the Levine family racing car to 95 which is leaving its alliance with RCR, supposedly going to Toyota. At least that's where the rumors have it going. So that could be a upward move if it actually does yep. go to Toyota with the way Toyota is running.
5: And I, I have heard, too, that uh, that could also – I've heard several rumors, too, that they, they could do a similar situation as to what Furniture Row did with the 77 last year with Eric Jones – that could actually open up a ride ride to, to to further develop uh, uh Christopher Bell and keep him in the toyota camp i've heard that's one rumor I've heard leaning toward toward that ride, but I found it kind of, i found it kind of surprising that that Casey would step away what what you think of that make of that Seth
6: honestly it caught me off guard i mean oh, me too. I, I spoke to Casey earlier this year at Bristol uh, during the spring race weekend uh and he seemed uh somewhat distant then and i just put that off as uh because when i was talking to him i was talking to him about jason leffler for a piece i was working on at the time but even about just racing that weekend and upcoming races he was just distant almost disconnected to it uh,
5: it seemed to me like he's he's just become disenchanted with the whole Political deal in the NASCAR garage and how it how it goes. You know, uh, that that's what I took from it. He's just become you know disenchanted with 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 the sport.
0: Yeah, and I, I think he feels like uh, you know he's. Well, it was Two years ago, he was he won a Brickyard a couple of years ago, but still wasn't last, able year. To, last, last year, year. Last still, year still still wasn't able to save his ride. You know, now he's now he's again he took uh, the non lateral move. To uh, go to you know the Levine family, um, and just uh, available spots for him to win, uh, you know I, I think it's probably uh, you know getting in a car every day at, at his stage in his career where he's thirty eight years old is is just got to be you know, demotivating to get in a car where you know you're running mid to back field and oh. and you're only occasionally occasionally going to get a get a shot at the front so.
6: Although I will say uh, his sprint car program over in the World of Outlaws is uh, making waves. Uh, Brad Sweet actually just won the Knoxville Nationals in one of Casey's cars. So in one area of motorsports, he's thriving.
0: Yeah, well, he may just be disenchanted with NASCAR. I mean, he's not leaving. You know, he's not leaving his sprint car team behind. So exactly. But yeah, I, it's funny when I when I read that he was 38. It's like I I, just, I can't believe how time flies. That every I, every time I look at him, I still think he's this young guy. You know? But uh, yeah, but you you know yeah. you look at
5: all look at all that's going on since then. I mean, he started out started out and he, and he was with Everham when Everham's team was a mainstay in the yeah. sport, and that's been a and it's been they've been gone a while, so. Yeah, I mean it's what, what Richard? What did you make of Casey's uh, announcement?
4: Uh, not a huge surprise, as you say. You know, you go from a, a team like Hendrick Motorsport, then you, you know, and again, to switch to LFR, they're not going to be winning every week, you know. And it it must be difficult for the guys to sort of make that progression from a top team into a a lower, you know, a tier team, and he could. He he's not going to get a top drive even if he you know dug up some trees at LFA you know all these big teams now have their young driver programs and the Christopher Bells and the Eric Joneses and the you know the guys like that so it, as soon as he left, left Hendrick he's basically on a downward spiral and yeah as as difficult as it is you know these guys have got to realize that and you know you see some you know some of the you know even like what happened to so, uh, you know, Robert Wickens last weekend, do the guys really want to take those risks week in, week out? It's, uh, you know, I, I'm not surprised. And I think he's a, you know, he's a pretty well-liked guy around the uh, garages. But from a commercial standpoint, is he going to be missed? Probably not massively. Um, so, Well, there's yeah. somebody there to take the seat, that's for sure. Oh, well, of course there will be, of course there will be. And it's, you know, the natural evolution of the sport. And, you know, NASCAR is a little bit unique in the motorsport world in that, you know, some of these drivers do have a reasonably long shelf life. Um, yeah. But, uh, yeah, I, it's, it's you know, I'd say hopefully it'll bring a new kid in who can bring excitement and fresh ideas to the sport. So. Hey, I, got, I got a question I want to ask everybody in,
5: in, in about this. We don't have a cup race this weekend, and we've only got two races left before we go to the playoffs. We've got Darlington, uh a week from Sunday, and then we've got the Brickyard, and then we go into the playoffs. Currently, we have nine winners in Cup right now. With two races to go, do you think we'll see another winner to make it ten races going into the playoffs? What, what, do, you, what do you guys individually think?
0: I hope so because Keselowski hasn't won one yet. <laughs> so okay. I, I, I think he deserves a win, but they, I would – I, you know, it, it doesn't look likely. Um, you know, each and every week it's it, Harvick, Harvick, Bush, or, or Truex. You know, flip a coin, and then you have the occasional odd winner here and there. You know, Clint Boyers had a good season, but uh, I, I really, I really would like to see you know Team Penske get, get a win there. Um, yeah, I'd like to see. Um, uh, oh, who's who's got? Well, you got Blaney. Blaney's Blaney. The other one Blaney. Blaney. Yeah, yes. and. Yep. Um,
4: Eric Monroe, Kyle uh, Larson,
0: Kyle Larson hasn't he hasn't won this year either. So I think all those guys are capable of getting
4: a win. So Richard, do you think we'll get another winner? I really don't think you will. I think you look at the tracks, and you know both of them are unique tracks, and they both require you know a certain skill set and a skill skill level. I mean, if you're going to pick anybody, uh, you know maybe Darlington's going to throw up a bit more of a curveball than Indy, but. Yes, I I doubt it. I think it's pretty much you know locked in. As you say, maybe maybe you know uh, Kyle Larson could you know get uh, get get in the winner's circle at Darlington, uh, but then you, you know is there anybody that stands out for Indianapolis? There's nobody that's mm-hmm. great around there. Yeah. What do you think, Seth?
6: I wouldn't be surprised to see Jimmy Johnson or another Hendrick driver that hasn't won win at Darlington, just with the uptick in performance that. Hendrick has had. Sure. And also the uptick in Chevy has had in general. I wouldn't be surprised to see Kyle Larson. And just a note on Kyle Larson and Chip Ganassi racing. They still don't have an OSS. They've been relying on the one that Hendrick just received about a month ago. Okay. And um, they, and they've been running pretty good throughout the entire year. Yeah, yes,
5: they, yes, they have. I, I To me, I think if a Chevrolet is going to win, it's probably it could be at an Indy, and and you look at the number of people who haven't cracked Victory Lane. You know, Frank just mentioned mentioned Keselowski, but Denny Hamlin, he's going to be the defending winner going to Darlington. He hasn't won. Uh, Blaney hasn't won. Uh, who else we got out there? That Larson, Johnson Larson, had, McMurray. Larson and um, yeah, Larson, yeah, Larson and Johnson are the two I'm thinking about. So, you know, there's five. There's there's four or five guys right there that uh you know that were winners last year that have not won one this year. So yeah, we've uh coming down to two races to go, we'll have to we'll have to see what happens.
0: Yeah, and, and I see you know what I s I can't forget um William Byron uh how strong he was at ending the Xfinity race last year.
4: Yeah, you know, it was that it was that, it was with that trick arrow package. It was. was. Yeah, yeah, but yeah.
0: I mean, it's, but, uh, it's it's going to give him a level of confidence going back to that track. Is all I'm saying.
4: It,
5: yeah, know. but I tell you what, that cup car, that cup car will uh, will uh, will uh, get your attention. Get I'm, I'm sure it I will. Yeah, it, yeah. Uh, Byron's Byron's uh, Byron's shown some flashes this year, but I still think he's uh, he's he's still got a ways to uh, to go up the development ladder before he's uh, he's ready to win uh, on on this level. All right,
6: although. I was going to say maybe Suarez with how well he ran at Pocono this year.
5: Yeah, that's a that's yes, a that, yeah, that's
4: another guy that's that a, could right. knock knocking on the door. Yeah, he's got one yeah. Of, he's got one of the four colonists down, hasn't he?
0: Yep. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's funny, Richard. All right, so um, listen, I want to save enough time to talk about Formula One. So again, like I say the Cup guys are off this weekend. Uh, the Xfinity guys will be in Road America. Um, Connor Daly will make his NASCAR debut. Um okay. and there's a And
6: Bill Elliott comes out retiring. Exa- yep.
0: Yeah, Bill Elliott and there's there's a couple other couple other good ringers entered and in there. I just Catherine
6: Leg. Catherine Leg, yep. Davidson.
0: And um James, James Davidson will be back in uh, Xfinity. Yeah. Davidson did good at mid Ohio. Um mm,
4: Yeah, he was quick, wasn't he? He
0: was quick. Yeah, he just he got uh wrong pit stop strategy, I believe, so.
4: Yeah, he got he got <laughs> turned at one point, didn't he?
0: Something like that, yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's during my nap. I usually take a nap in the middle of NASCAR races. So.
6: <laughs> and the trucks are in up in Canada at Canadian Tire and Motorsports Park.
0: Always a good race. Always a good race. And that's their
6: first race to the
4: playoffs. Yep. Always I mean a that. good fight as well.
0: Yep, always a good fight, yeah. So, But so we got guys we got about eight minutes left. Um, Richard, uh, Formula One, done with their break. We've had a lot of driver movement. Um, yep yeah um pierre Gasly confirmed a red bull this week uh take yep, uh, ricardo's seat so uh you know good old pierre Gasly from wacky races i'm glad to see uh him moving up the moving up the ladder but uh, we're headed to spa so mm-hmm. uh let's uh let's preview spa a little bit that's one of the um longest and uh, most wonderful perfect tracks in the world
4: I mean, it's, yeah it's currently the longest track on the uh on the Formula One calendar it's uh it, it, it's got that sort of uh nostalgia about it you know the the say that you know the hills and the trees around there talk and uh you know you can just the atmosphere of that place is, is something magical in, in in many many ways uh um, it's always you know the weather's always such a huge huge variable around there i mean i can't remember the number but it's something like 90 percent of races there have a have rain at some point in the weekend and uh and hopefully actually during the race itself always throws up a bit of a curveball which makes it uh, makes it exciting sometimes um, we have
0: rain right on part of the track and dry, oh, dry on yeah, the rest it's so yeah.
4: Big. yeah it's so long uh and uh, yeah no it's it's fantastic fantastic place um you know some of the driver markets starting to settle down of course you know now with fernando leaving mclaren you know carlos Sainz going into in there there's a lot of question marks over Stoffel Van Dorn's uh, long-term future there. They're running uh, Lando Norris this coming weekend as a he's replacing Alonso in one of the uh, free practice sessions. So that'll be, you know, is that a sort of, um, you know, a test for next season? Is that an audition for him? Not sure. I think it's a little bit early for him, but if the kid's quick enough, you put him in. Um then that sort of still leaves the uh, you know, two or three teams looking at drivers for next year. You know, Tarr obviously, with Gasly going to Red Bull, that strengthens Brendan Hartley's position for a 2019 seat, considering...
0: Yeah, but isn't, isn't, isn't Hartley sort of still in the hot seat? I'm hearing that Whoa. They're, they're not exactly thrilled with him or...
4: They're not, or, but what other options do you do? There's talk of two of their young drivers going to Super Formula next year, Rather than stepping up into Formula One, I mean, they have to hire young drivers into that team, really. Otherwise, that defeats the purpose of having the team. You know, they, are they going to go out and sign a Kevin Magnussen or, a, uh, you know, something like that? Probably not. You know, you you audition for the Red Bull senior team. Uh, uh, you've now seen the savior, if you like, of Force India with Lance Stroll's father buying into the team. So. You'd imagine that that means Stroll is moving on to Force India next year. There's talk that Perez has already signed his contract, so that leaves Ocon out at Force India. Does he go to Williams to replace Stroll? Uh, Where does that leave Sergei Sorokin, who in all fairness has been pretty poor? You know, there's money there, but he hasn't exactly dug up any trees as the kid. So... um, you know that's all a big unknown as to what you're seeing at Williams and this is really starting off that sort of midfield silly season now at Spa and uh, there could be some interesting moves uh jean eric Verne in an interview says that he's been contacted by a Formula One team about a potential ride for 2019 and it's not Red Bull so you can't see him going back to Toro Rosso uh you know potentially he could be going to Williams that'd be an interesting move I would have thought for him um but, yeah, it's all starting to bubble up. And, of course, hey, we haven't even talked about the championship standings and, you know, the, the battle between Hamilton and Vettel. Um, you, know, you think, really, that if Vettel's got a chance of winning the championship, he has to win in Spa. You know, he has to, they have to be quick, they have to be competitive, they have to, you know, come back off this summer vacation, you know, in the right frame of mind and, and not make any mistakes. You saw for the previous, almost the previous half-dozen races before the winter, before the summer break, um, you know, the car that was the fastest car at the weekend didn't win the race, which was a crazy set of circumstances, because, you know, Formula 1 can be pretty predictable at the best of times, but uh, I don't think you could have, after looking at, you know, the practice times on any of those last half dozen races, predicted who would have won the race. So uh, it's been pretty uh, pretty entertaining, and, and hopefully that'll continue, but uh, yeah, I think Ferrari needs to come back strong. Um, you know, there's been a lot of talk of some of the little tricks and pieces they've been doing. I was reading an article today where they they cover the um, roll-hoop cam with an ice bag before the car leaves the garage or at the start of the race, which people are, um, um, you know, um, you know, some people sort of uh, questioning what they're doing there. Um, you said they, a-
0: they put ice on the camera?
4: Yeah, so they have a big bag of ice in a big yellow bag that they put on the camera on the rollover hoop. Now, they say... Oh, it's to cool the camera. Now, no other team is having an issue with the cameras overheating. Um, there's a couple of theories about that. One, when they put that on top of the camera, you, when the driver's not in the car, you can't see what's inside the cockpit because the the um, bag obscures the camera. And secondly, this is a complete decoy. So, yeah, oh, yeah. Was, Well, if, if
0: if you ask me, you know, the only reason you would put a bunch of ice on the camera because you want to shoot some really cool video.
4: Oh boy. <laughs> oh boy but no, uh, yeah anyway moving on moving
0: on <laughs> <laughs>
4: finally I just, yeah just a little
0: laugh that's all i ask
4: <laughs> it's, it's it was a sympathy laugh don't worry thank you <laughs> but uh, no it's going to be great to see. it's going to be interesting and uh yeah you know you, you sort of want to you know with all the talk of all the driver movements as entertaining and as its own little sort of you know soap opera on the side uh, that all that is it'd be good to actually get back to the racing and see where everybody sits
0: all right now speaking of getting to the race we've got just about enough time to go around the go around the water cooler here and get a, everyone get a pick for spa so i'm gonna start with you mike since you've been you've been quiet since we started talking about nascar i don't know if you've left the building or what but mike yeah uh, I'm, I'm here <laughs> do you uh do you have a pick for spa
1: yeah, uh, yeah. I'm going to go with the complete shot in the dark here and go Daniel Ricciardo.
0: Okay, yeah, you just stole my pick. Gray? <laughs> uh, Vettel. Vettel. Vettel, okay. okay.
5: Ferrari's got to bounce back, like Richard said. Absolutely.
0: Seth, who do you like for Spa?
6: Lewis Hamilton.
0: Okay, Now, Richard? Kimi. Kimi. Okay, who, now, now who does that leave me? Uh... <laughs> Max for stopping then. That's uh, that, that's who I'll take. So. Anyway, um, that's, that's it. We are out of time. I want to thank you, Gray, Seth, Mike, and Richard for coming on. I want to thank Hoobazoo Radio Network and iHeartRadio for hosting us. I want to thank all you folks that tune in and listen to us every week. Until next week, have a good night. Thanks. <laughs> W-H-O-O-B-A-Z-O-O, that's <laughs> a w- enter website, enter website, enter website, enter website. <inaudible>